rolling tape. It is October 6th, 2017, and I welcome everyone back to episode 9 of the Baked and Awake show. I'm Steve, and I'll be your host for this, our latest edition of the show that, at the time of publication, will be the first episode uh, that was recorded and then pushed out straight to all the platforms that we can get to, I think, just about, with the exception of maybe one. Uh, We are finally in the iTunes store, the Google Play store. We're also available to stream and download on TuneIn, Stitcher Radio. Uh, We're pushing it out to YouTube every week at the same time as an audio track on my Baked and Awake YouTube channel. Uh, You can find us in your Overcast or other third-party podcasting app. I believe the Podcast Source app from Libsyn also has us listed and indexed as well. And you can always find each of our latest episodes at our own website, www.bakedandawake.com. So thank you all for listening thus far to all the content that you have, and we look forward to making a lot more for you and continuing to bring more to the table each week. Uh Tonight on the show, we're going to talk more than we already have about everybody's favorite new, in air quotes, way to smoke weed, vaporize weed, dabbing. Uh, Dabbing and its not-so-new and mysterious origins. We'll also drop back into the ever-informative hemp history timeline, starting at right around 1900. We'll see what the 20th century has to offer our photogenic protagonist, cannabis, and its hardworking and continuously underrated sister, the hemp plant. We'll also return briefly to Mori Vashon Island, or Vashon Mori Island, or just Mori Island, if you will, with some lesser known history of the island as well as a possible connection between a famous UFO incident of 1947 that bears the island's name and another mysterious as well as eternally super dangerous Pacific Northwest site, the Hanford Nuclear Power Plant. Those of you who are American history, civil engineering, or military history lovers probably tell me more than I ever knew or indeed researched for this episode. But the Hanford Nuclear Reservation, or Hanford Site, as it has been called at times in a sort of familiarization by the locals, uh, the closest of which have certainly most often simultaneously been supported by the revenue and exposed to risk uh, in the form of the plant itself. And the dangerous materials both handled and processed there and then stored after they're done with their primary purpose there. Uh, We'll talk a lot about the 
extent of the storage of the waste at the Hanford site a little later in this episode. But before that, even the straight-up history of the place and its origins are very interesting and could certainly be treated in a long-format show that took three or four weeks to go over in detail. We're not going to go to that level here. There is a lot of material out there about Hanford in the world, both in the form of YouTube videos, websites dedicated, blog sites dedicated, entire YouTube channels indeed are almost uh, dedicated to tracking not only Hanford, but other important and in some cases very dangerous nuclear sites such as be it Fukushima, Chernobyl, others around the world. Uh, so we are going to try to give you a little bit of information about Hanford and an interesting connection to Maury Island a little bit later on, and not to spoil that story too much. Uh, we do have a great strain of the week this week, and it ties right into a segment that my friend George Masters was going to be joining us again this evening. Uh, we'll be doing on CBD cannabis, kind of a what it is, and kind of a 101, would you say, George, on CBD, right? Yeah, right. a little conversation. Right, we're going we're gonna to visit it more than once. I've been really excited to actually you know do more than dabble with it which is the best i can say i've done over the years with cbd um in years past i would say it was tough for me to personally you know i felt like as a younger guy who had less money to spend on cannabis in the first place um you know even as legal came online even as medical became more accessible here in recent years and we saw you know some products come around whether they were soaps or whether they were bath products or in in a few other cases i was seeing um rso rso capsules and and things like that um you know certainly nothing like the the diverse and fun stuff we see now in cbd i mean we got cbd dabs and you know we have cbd flour and lots of different strains and we have lots of great edibles as well and i think those are you know a lot of the uh products that uh, the sublinguals and things like that are done with cbd as well these days aren't they yeah yeah so, i've consumed it in all all form fashions i love it i love it so you know but i mean so i'm you know i'm no spring chicken and CBD is the is the rest of the whole, you know, story of the benefit of the plant for us. And it's the most important part for so many people. Um, CBD, CBN, the rest of the, you know, interplay between the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the cannabinoids, and the human system, you know, the endocannabinoid system. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, hearing from George on that here very soon. So uh, what we're going to do right now, though, is... Uh, get set up for uh, that CBD dab. So we're going to take a quick pause and top up our ice waters. Uh, as always, we suggest you get comfortable and make take, take a gander around. Make sure you're stocked up. Make sure you got what you need. We usually hang out for about an hour. So uh, we're going to be coming right back to you. And 
we're going to jump right in with a dab and a chat about CBDs with George. All right, I think we're back. All right, we're all set up. I want to welcome George Masters back to the show. Two Hello, shows. Nice to be here. Yes, thank you. Nice to have you here. Two shows back to back. Way to go. Uh, George is going to tell us about CBD strains tonight, and I'm going to uh, lead into that by letting you guys know that we got our strain of the week tonight down at Clutch Cannabis in Renton. Uh, got helped out by Raph, great guy down there, who pointed me at some CBD terp honey, terpene honey from Blue Roots Cannabis. And uh, Blue Roots, I have had their, um, what did I have just like a week or two ago here, their OG Chem terpene sugar which was also super delicious so this is a, a cool terpene sugar that is Durban poison a favorite of mine a land race strain that we've talked about in the past on this show and it's a Durban CBD hybrid I don't know I haven't heard of that before with Durban but that's what we've got and it's got a pretty robust profile here um, I'm reading off of the back of the packaging and uh, we've got you know a 42% number on the CBDA uh, THCA at 23.47% THC at 3.36% so the total CBDs in this uh, terpene sugar is like 45% though and and still has a really respectable THC percentage, as I understand it here, with the THCA at 23%. That's like yeah, strong flower like nice to me. Yes, exactly, which is something I've been looking forward to and waiting for in CBD products is stuff that's balanced that uses the full interplay. And, and I mean, right. I, I like the, you know, obviously I like the THC high, duh, obviously, and I'm very comfortable with it, so I kind of... I feel like that's when I know my medicine's working, but uh, but I know that's not the whole game with CBD. But I'm going to let you, George, tell us a little bit more about the notes that you've pulled together, you know, just some research on CBD. You've used it a little bit more than me over the years, right? Yeah. I, so, I, I and this was kind of your idea to bring this in as a topic to chat about uh, tonight. So and I'm going to take a dab while you get started. Okay. If that's all right. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, I was inspired to do this piece while having a conversation with a family member uh, who had some ideas about CBD that I recognized to be untrue. And so I figured, you know, it's, I'm going to go off and do some research and uh, come back and bring some information to the show that will help clue people into the real benefits of CBD. Um, as one of the two main cannabinoids in marijuana. Um, there are numerous cannabinoids, but like I said, CBD and THC are the two main, and each has its own unique pharmacology. Um, among those... Whoops. 
THC is the primary psychoactive cannabinoid that we can thank for the mind-altering effect of the plant, but CBD is generally described as non-psychoactive. And I would agree with that for the most part. Um, however, I know that when I take a respectable dose of CBD in some form, I can feel it. And I would think that if I'm feeling it in my body, yeah, it's it's being interpreted by my mind. I think so there's do say they feel something. Right. Something. They say psychoactive, and I think that's a it's it, it's up to interpretation. But um, I do feel it. Uh, there's a whole conversation that can be had around the actual chemical processes that are involved in the human experience of these cannabinoids, uh, but we're going to confine this particular conversation to the discussion of CBD in particular, and we'll focus on its notable physiological and neurological effects. Can I super sidebar for two seconds Please. and just tell you guys that this stuff looks beautiful? This terpene honey is really transparent and, and clear, and it's uh, it's like a real amber you yeah, know, like not yellow. Rich, you know, there's a lot of amber. yellow terp honeys and sugars out there right now. So that's this one's really pretty. Yeah, it's very inviting, and it smells good. It's gonna be gonna be yummy. Yeah. Carry on. Um. So I often hear people describe CBD as the medicinal cannabinoid or as the body high. I've heard people say that it it puts them into the couch, and I've heard other people say that it acts like caffeine, and. I think that you can find a little bit of truth in all these these statements, but um, what I really, really hear is it, uh, its benefits described accurately to somebody who's really interested in using it for medicinal um, effects. In my research, I came across uh, a lot of information. The pharmacology of CBD is incredibly complex. It's even more complex than that of THC. Uh, and I, I've pulled together some key points that I want to get across to the audience because I think these things are actually very relevant, um, especially if you're, you're looking to use it for medicinal reasons. Um, but also if you want to enrich your experience of THC. Uh, first, there are two receptors in the brain that are primarily responsible for the effect of the cannabinoids. You have CB1 and CB2. Um, uh, CB1 is mostly responsible for the So CB1 is what the THC interacts with, right? And and bonds with the CB1 receptor. I misplaced my my notes. There's a line in here that I I, I didn't expect no it. I didn't see it where I expected it, and it threw me off. Um, oh, yes. Okay, here it is. It's mm -hmm. way down the page. Mm -hmm. What a shame. Um, CB1 are the receptors that will have the so-called psychoactive effects, the, uh, um, the effects that you're really looking for in recreational cannabis for the most part. CB2 receptors are elsewhere and um, a lot of them are in the immune cells, and they're related to things like the uh, inflammation response. Okay, so I was right. CB1 is like the party receptor. Yes, yeah, CB2 is different. Boy. Now, THC primarily um, attacks CB1 receptors, and so it has that effect. And CB2 is affected by uh, CBD, and CBD also has some effect on CB1. 
the pharmacology is way too complex for the show, but I just wanted to highlight, you know, you know right off the bat, that CB1 is psychoactive, THC is involved with that receptor, and then CBD is really acting on CB2. Um, well, and maybe, you know, the whole pharmacology thing can be revisited as well on its own. I, yeah, I think you know, really you could do come that. Come back I mean, on a could, deep dive right, on that. You could choose an aspect and really dig After into it. After we learn even more about it. Right. Um, and CBD interacts with a number of uh, non-cannabinoid receptors in the brain as well, such as opioid, serotonin, dopamine, I was gonna dopamine, say dopamine receptors. Naturally, right. Yep, yep. And those receptors are involved with all sorts of things that um, ultimately present uh, the uh, present the medical benefit of it's CBD. CBD. So I can have like as many dabs as I want, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're an epileptic. <laughs> That's what I'm about to say is that some of these other receptors are involved in the malfunctions that create symptoms of epilepsy. So they've found um, some very strong evidence that CBD taken supplementally can basically shut down the uh, effects of epilepsy in some patients that are otherwise untreatable. Wow. So it's, it's really a beautiful drug for that, for that use. Um, and it's also, if you're just using cannabis recreationally, it's also, I think, an important part of that picture because it adds in um, certain modulating effects to the THC experience that for me at least makes it more enjoyable, um, really depending on what I'm doing. But if I want to be functional and not be... So to be clear, when you say modulating effects, it is it is understood to dampen the THC a little bit, sort of its in, in, effect anyway on, right. on a person? Yeah, and I, I honestly, <clears throat> the science just says simply that CBD, because of the way it acts in the CB1 receptor, it just simply reduces the impact of THC. But there are other writers who say, well, yes, but there are there are caveats. It's not an overall reduction in the impact of THC. It's kind of a, a change so that a lot of the negative aspects that bother some, for instance, novice consumers um, can be reduced by the presence of, t of CBD in the, in the herb. And so uh, I've always found that, that enjoying strains like Harlequin that has a nice balance of CBD and THC, um, I have the best experiences. Um, especially if I really, if I'm consuming a lot and I want to have, you know, the full use of my brain, for instance, tonight, uh, that's what I Do you I really need find. the full use? It turns out I do because I, I, re I recall a recent experience where I lost most of the use of my brain and became almost useless sitting here in this chair. So mm -hmm. tonight I want it to be I know, a little I more functional for your footman. Yeah. And and now I've got words to, to get across, so I've got to have as much of my wits as I can. Um, there's so other than the the effects of CBD on <coughs> your state of being, uh, yeah, it also has some protective effects that are profound. Um, oh. They found that CBD present in the blood will actually block the process that results in cell death in certain kinds of neurodegenerative diseases. I think they were saying Parkinson's is one that has that effect. It could be wrong, but I think that's what I, that's what I picked so, up. So, yeah. 
it does that. It has strong um, anti-inflammatory effects, obviously, because of its uh, impact on the CB2 receptors. And uh, it's also a strong agonist of a receptor involved in certain psychoses. Um, schizophrenia can be treated with CBD, which is amazing. It's it's it. All of these benefits come across because CBD has such complex pharmacology. Unlike THC that directly a, a, attacks CB1 and does some other things as well, CBD, you look at its pharmacology, it's just this complex web with all of these effects and all of these other systems from funny angles, and it, it just has an outsized effect across uh, somebody's neurology. can't imagine why this wouldn't be something that the uh, AMA and Big Pharma would want being more generally understood and explored. I mean, in all seriousness, it seems like the closer we look at it, the harder we look at it. The more serious, the the more uh, numerous, uh, and the more efficacious, you know, uh, the applications, uh, you know, for cannabis appear to be. There's, I mean, what do we have, like, antibacterial anti-cancer anti-aging anti-inflammatory right. pain relieving any plight of man you know cannabis is the medicine yeah i mean it seems like it's one of the one the real ones one of the few and one of the most powerful yeah well i, I would say you know uh pick happiness you know, say lack of happiness is your problem which is probably the problem for most people in the world what natural thing that grows in the earth can, by its use, inspire that thing in people like so widely? It's amazing. Marijuana is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's the antithesis to big pharma. You know, and yeah. you look at something like CBD. Deliberate. I mean, I love growing every plant we grow in our garden. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so yes, um, in closing on CBD, I would say that if you are a novice smoker and you suffer the paranoia or other unpleasant side effects of THC, uh, go find a strain that has a balance of CBD and THC because you might find those less pleasant effects reduced or removed entirely. I have experienced that myself. uh, some strains I would look for right now would be Glacier Goo, Charlotte's Web, Harlequin. Um, I've seen Synex with high CBD. ACDC is a big one. Canatonic and uh, Sour Tsunami I've also seen around. And I've seen these strains in concentrates, flowers, oils. Um, yeah, it's it's they're all widely available now and becoming increasingly available, like you were saying before. All right. Fantastic. Well, I think, uh, first off, I enjoyed those dabs. So, you know, I want to say try that Blue Roots Durban Poison, you guys. Terpene honey, because it's pretty pretty off the chain, really. It's beautiful. Um, You know, Raph himself mentioned, and, and, you know, this will be not, won't be news to any advanced dabbers at all, but... 
you know, if you're a daily dabber and you dab high THC stuff all the time and you don't want to waste your time on CBD dabs, you know, if you can get a good, you know, it doesn't have to be this stuff. Get yourself any quality looking introduction to the stuff. If you get it on a deal, get it on a deal, whatever. But, you know, uh, maybe it's because you, you know, want to address a, a rough shoulder that you've got like me. Maybe you want to address a achy knee or ankle or uh any of a hundred other reasons it could be just basic low-grade chronic stuff like that that this may be something to consider instead of a tylenol or an ibuprofen and by the way proviso note to all i'm not a physician this is not to be considered medical advice i do not know what your physician will say to you if you endeavor to have this conversation with them but uh i think cbd is something that i'm going to look forward to exploring further and both in forms like this where i take it in and and vaporize it and get it for the immediate effect but i would also like to try some topical type stuff like a skin application um some of these others so and see how those go so We'll, we'll look for opportunities to try those sorts of uh, products, obviously, and share it with you guys. All right. Uh, I think that puts us at the hemp history timeline. Uh, I'm looking at our, you know, counter on the show as well and thinking I'm going to, you know, flip it around a little bit compress the timeline is our friend it's our standby and we're gonna set it aside and come back to it again next week i'm going to spoiler alert excerpt for you out of that timeline the fact that towards the end of it we do see in the in in the in terms of the end of the section of the timeline that i was going to cover today we get to about 1942 where it ties into one of our other topics of this evening, which was dabbing, which I've done here earlier tonight and, and uh, you know, right here with you guys. And, and uh, it's one of my favorite ways of consuming. Uh, I love it indoors because it doesn't stink up the house. It doesn't even really stink up the room. You've got, you know, minimal ventilation in a one window room. And as long as you're not going crazy, um, it'll never smell like a uh, room that you're smoking in. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I find it a healthful way to, uh, consume because as we've talked about as well, we, we dab at low temperatures. So back in 1942, let's see here. Yeah. Right around this time, uh, we do have uh, contemporary to this, uh, Henry Ford developing a car that runs on hemp ethanol and, uh, <laughs> Uh, in a separate project, had a hemp car body 10 times stronger than steel and significantly lighter, um, which I thought was interesting. And we were going to talk a little bit, uh, George, about how that sort of foreshadowed to me, you know, a lot of modern materials like fiberglass, carbon fiber, you know, space age plastics and things, stuff like that. So, uh, but at around that same time, the OSS and then very soon after them, to be taken to the next level by the CIA, but but in the in the early 40s was when this 
the genesis of this took place, they developed a highly potent marijuana concentrate. That's dabs, you guys. That's what they're talking about, or more or less. There it was a it was a hash oil. It was a full extraction oil. Uh, not not exactly like a Rick Simpson type product, as as far as I understand. But it was something that was administered, obviously both knowingly and unknowingly to subjects, as a truth serum. They called it the truth serum, and they codenamed it TD for truth drug, and. That it was used in interviews and interrogations in, I think, throughout North America. I think some experimentation went on in Canada, you know, along the same lines of what we were doing here at the time. I mean, you know, you name it, we've done it to our people, civilian, military, and governmental employee over the years. Um, but uh, the this serum... Uh, you know, was a high-potency THC uh, extract commonly at the time uh, rendered using alcohol as one of the solvents. Uh, butane was known at the time. The, the timeline covered uh, previously, the hemp history timeline in one of our previous uh, episodes as well, that, you know, this was recorded in, in certain medical journals by one or two people back in the 1800s. So, you know, as certain methods of creating concentrates that very much sounded like they were right in line with our modern dabs. So, the, you know, many people are still just learning about them today and, and messing with it for the first time. And it's, as I always caution, a potent uh, way of smoking. But if you simply throttle your rate of consumption to the, you know, delivery method, and by that I mean take it down a notch uh, if you're new to it, uh, you'll see a little goes a long way. There's probably a reason they call them dabs, as, you know, the old saying, and really going back to the, I don't even know when, the 50s or something, and it was like, brill cream, that's it, boom, I remembered it, brill cream, a little dab will do you. Hmm. It was a jingle for, like, a men's hair product. Yeah, it makes sense. Boom, yeah, and it was totally fucking 50s or 60s. Eh. Anyway, uh, and they probably ran those ads into the 80s for all I know. Uh, all right, so that, you know, so that was the little uh, bit on Dab's history where I'm, where I guess I would put the ribbon on that is, uh, as I mentioned to you in the last episode, George, maybe we'll hear about it again, I guess, is that in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s, maybe more in the 60s than in the 70s. I don't know. I think they shut it down supposedly in the 70s in the, in the CIA's MKUltra program, the famous declassified, admitted MKUltra program, you know, and let's all remember that whatever they admit to is a fraction of what, you know, they probably ever really did. Uh, and, and they, you know, I'm talking in this case specifically about that particular agency, and, and you know, that's just the U.S. intelligence state, right? Um, you know, they're not they're not in the business of telling us about their programs, failed or successful. So but I think that, I don't know how MK got disclosed. Was it a, like a budget budget thing? I think it was a budget thing. I can't imagine. Like it showed up in a budget review or something like that. And then pretty soon after that, they decided to kibosh all those pesky record-keeping for uh, those, those agencies anyway. Um yeah. but uh in a more in a more uh serious sense but uh so 
MK subjects were uh, subjected to, you know, the marijuana truth drug uh, versions of that and cocktails with hallucinogens famously during that program, uh, you know, LSD, uh, psilocybin, uh, probably the, uh, you know, if they were calling it DMT, were they up on DMT at the time? I don't know, but I think they were messing with all sorts of stuff, everything they could get their hands on with those guys. And, you know, and, and then every sort of dirty trick that you could do to a person too, uh, sleep deprivation, you know, weird miserable living conditions you know right. um and now you know now we're wandering flip-flopped into another, yeah another space that is yeah worthy of its own show no it is and so that's but that's you know that's where that's where that stuff came back in to use in yeah. in the modern world was was through those programs so really interesting and weird because i've talked in the past about it you know having become popular because of the sickest patients who needed it the most and you know like so many other things you know everything that we think is new isn't that new it's been around longer than we think um and it's been around even longer than that probably so all righty that is that story (laughs) all right so you know moving on to what I think is a really interesting story and one that I also think if we have fun with it tonight, George, and we're, you know, able to, uh, look into it even further, uh, the Hanford site might get, a, a additional treatment after this. Um, cause to be honest, you know, it's almost too big of a topic to tackle at our tender stage of development here at Baked in Awake. Uh, the only reason I feel like talking it up at all is because of all the many topics we hope to cover here. Uh, you know, Hanford is one that around here in the Pacific Northwest, anyway, more than a lot of others, it tends to be rarely discussed. I don't know if, you know, has anybody ever brought up Hanford in casual conversation with you, George? I know they never have with me. You know, and I mean, we live in Seattle. We don't live in central Washington. Yeah, I was surprised. We're north of the problem, too. Okay. You know, this is really a Columbia River problem in a lot of ways, as we'll find out. Um, But, you know, I mean, counterculture, loving types, environmentalists, you know, greenies, nobody talks about it. The conspiracy crowd, they don't even talk about it. Um, And perhaps the reason for that is not so difficult to understand. Okay. I mean, who wouldn't shrink away from grappling if they could uh possibly avoid it you know with thousands of tons of radioactive or just plain lethally toxic chemical waste right um you know it's it's been stored there for decades they store more than two-thirds of the u.s nuclear weapons uh and and power plant waste products at hanford um, or maybe it is all just weapon stuff, but two thirds of the nuclear waste is is there at Hanford because they they made it all there. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean it's there. It's in it's in countless rotting metal and plastic and concrete containers. They're damaged. They're you know, yeah, damaged. Many of them. Damaged, many of them are compromised. The ones that aren't will be in time. The, the waste will last most of it for many tens of thousands of years. Uh, some of it may cross close to the millions of years in, in half-life. Uh, and, you know, there's literally a list of a half a dozen 
types of uh, chemicals there that and half a dozen is probably hundreds of them uh, but the big names, you know, the plutonium, the strontium ninety, the 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 chromium, you know, cadmium. There we go. You know, sounds like yeah. stuff that's in batteries and things. Um, you know, we've got this stuff soaking in water baths. So you know, now the water is radioactive as well. You know, it's not all of it, but you know, there's there's. Uh, uh, I think it's reactor core rods uh, stored in large uh, a couple of large pools uh, out mm-hmm. there. Um, yes, yeah, it's 56 million gallons of liquid waste and 25 million cubic feet of solid waste. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and... And 200 square miles of contaminated groundwater. Okay, so that seems like... So when we talk about square miles, I almost, even though I still can't comprehend, I almost feel like that's something that you can... You know, close your eyes and feel like you could quantify or grapple with in Wait, your head. Well, think two hundred square miles is twenty miles by ten miles, so we're we're talking about massive, massive, massive space, and this is what they know. And then how far down into that ground? Right. You know what how I mean? Deep so does we're it go? To, and and so this is radioactive waste that is spread over a twenty mile range, yeah, or in, greater in within reach of one of the biggest waterways in biggest most beautiful waterways in the continent yeah very important in, to enormous capacity for destruction the region poisoning. yep yeah i mean i think it delivers you know water right past portland on its way out well i don't think i know and vancouver washington on its way out to the pacific yeah, so affects, you know that water is used for so much agriculture Right. I mean, that's water that's going to California, that's going to all over, you know, both states and to California. Um, So, you know, I mean, this is, this is, you know, yeah, this Hanford is situated, you know, out in central Washington in a, you know, formerly pastoral, you know, kind of semi-high desert territory Um, when it was built. It was built in secret, and the people who had been living in that area, uh, among them, I believe it was the Nez Perce native First Peoples tribe, was in this area at that time. And everyone, First Nations and uh, settler alike, were moved and i mean settler this is the 1940s so let's like let's be real here these are like pretty modern people that got summarily uprooted and moved out of the way for by eminent domain for the creation of this site the contractors who built the place didn't know what they were building most of them were never you know most of them never knew what they were building um and that's interesting because it has you know shades of you know what we talk about today when we when we hear stories about deep underground military bases or dumbs um you know some of which you know are believed to be situated here in our state they say we may have one here um and that we're looking forward to talking about that in a future story as well but <coughs> excuse me so we've got this space out in in central washington a beautiful space that's full of horrible chemicals that we're going to learn a little bit more about here next 
and they're how cleanable, George? Hmm? How cleanable do we do we think this mess is? Oh, how we know it's a super fund site, so right? I was just reviewing my. Notes. We know so so and whatever a super fund site means, right? So that's a this a big terrible mess one. that's going to be funded by the government, right? And the budget, you know, what we're talking about in terms of. In terms of a cleanup is going to be funded by the government there, right? right? Well, it's going to be funded by the government, but that the effects are widespread. Um, how cleanable is it is really or should we back up should we back up a little bit and go back to the go back to the notes and and yeah, and uh, like see to, a little bit of the yeah right. I mean before we come to the conclusion that it's a huge disaster, which it is, um, <laughs> I can just point out some recent events that show perhaps an underlying problem which i'm sure all of the audience is already considering um back in may of 2017 um there was radioactive contamination uh, unexpectedly detected during checks on an underground storage tank now i would i would store that word away unexpectedly okay so they didn't expect to find it and they did this is back in may this is the one with the radiation in between the two walls of the double-walled. That's correct. Uh, supposedly better of you know better designed, newer tanks. These are this is as good as it gets out there. Is these double-walled tanks? Right. And you're not supposed to have any radiation in between the inner wall and the outer wall, and you place sensors in between those two walls because right. it suggests the failure of the container. Right. Right. So here, okay. And you know, if you get if you if you get a positive reading of radiation on any of those sensors, that means the inner wall is compromised. Right, which is to be expected, and we'll get to that. In yeah. A moment. Okay. Um, and also in May, there was of course the the collapse of. Uh, was it a that was the train tunnel, right? Well, they were doing a um, yes, yeah, the train tunnel, yeah, the. Um, yeah, the collapse. Well, they were doing Waste is moved projects. around on, on like, mine cars, train cars. I think it's full-size rail right. cars. They it's not even, yeah. They weren't uh, because guidance was ignored um, some decades ago. But uh, roof collapses and exposes this highly toxic material for everybody. And luckily it was covered up for the most part by the rubble. Uh, that's in May. In August, uh, they are demolishing one of the buildings on the site and uh, during demolition somebody made a mistake and released a bunch of toxic material into the air mm -hmm. everybody ran for cover now they later found contamination uh, in the air remaining in the air and on people's clothes and you could say well sure that would follow that that would happen but they didn't actually identify direct causality between the two events you can assume that but they don't know so here we have again a situation where they don't really know what happened all they know is this contamination that's escaped and it's affecting people um hey that, uh no this is this year right august 2017 right, this we're, is happening we're talking about 2017 and hundreds of people are employed at hanford to this day and right now it's all in maintaining the site and property and in cleanup of of waste, right? Yeah. And where I'm going with this is, as a side note for the listener, is that 
it's important for everybody to understand Hanford isn't open. It doesn't create power for the region. It hasn't operated or been online. They shut the reactor down in the 90s. They stopped using it in the late 80s, I believe, towards the end of the Cold War. Um, And it was used the entire time for defense, you know, production of weapons-grade materials, mostly plutonium. Prior to that, at the very beginning, it was for, like, uranium for the the atomic bomb program before they advanced enough to... Mm figure out how to like double bake those uranium uh, reactor core rods to make them into something new. Right. All right. So yeah, that I just wanted to point that out that this thing's been closed for like 30 something years. Yes. But it continues to cause problems. And like I said earlier, they were advised back in 2080 right. to make some changes. They didn't make these right. changes. They did result in problems. And uh, back in 2016, uh, there were 50 people who were exposed two toxic gases from an unknown source and they are all sick they all have real yep. symptoms and they're yep. still battling these symptoms and they are part of the 1.3 billion dollar uh, payout situation that Hanford is experiencing for all of its medical um, lawsuits billion with a B yeah 1.3 billion dollars they've paid out to people mm-hmm. uh, for these all these cases that are all resulting from mismanagement of all this stuff. You know, th- these aren't accidents. These things don't happen uh, magically. They happen because safety protocols and procedures aren't being followed. There's laziness. You know, we hear about um, these reports being produced by experts and just forgotten or ignored, uh, not involved in decision making. So, you know, it's, it's a very ugly problem. And they say that the deadline for, for cleaning this up is 2060. And the, the likeliness yeah. is, right, yeah, yeah, it's 2060, 2060. The likeliness of all of these facilities and containers even lasting that long um, is pretty low. So even if they supposedly finish the project by that date, by then already we've seen some widespread failures across these systems. So that project is known as the, uh, colloquially known as the vitrification project, right? Um, so this is the... I got that detail. Yeah, so that's the Superfund cleanup uh, plan of record, which I believe, you know, based on a couple of the documentaries that I've watched, and we're, we are going to add them into the show notes, but I'm not going to go to them right now, obviously. Uh, you know, some people don't even think it's going to work. It certainly won't work on all the different types of waste that is out there. Only some things can be treated in this way, and they heat it up and put it in a crazy resinous glass form. Um, but it works on a lot of the gnarly stuff that's in the, uh, like, first-generation waste barrels that are all really going to heck right now. Um, and the ones that are, I think... Um, it's them and the one big pool, the water pool that the rods are in, that are, uh, you know, the two biggest threats to the groundwater, which, guys, I, we can't overstate how 
crazy the risk is to the groundwater. And I mean, we're not even talking about a risk. This is like an inevitability. So this is why we're talking about it. And this is why we're allowed to talk about it because anybody who wants to or feels like talking about this shit should talk about it because it is an inevitability that, you know, that like either within our lifetimes, George, or certainly within my kids' lifetimes, you know, right here, um, like right in this region, we're going to see like a big, big mess, a big, big effect, a direct impact on the environment, you know, the likes of which are as, you know, catastrophic as we can imagine, you know. Right. Well, um, you hear the description of Chernobyl, you know, they yeah. draw this similarity between the two and it has the potential. It is one of the largest such sites in the world. Well, and, and so you go out to this site, they'll give you tours of this site. I was waitlisted for this for a couple of years. We didn't make it out um, uh, because we didn't get we didn't get picked either of the, I think I, think I might have got picked the third year and couldn't go because Kenny was getting born right then, George, That's was the story. Because right I was talking to you about that, like it was, I closely associated it with him being born with us kind of dropping off the map of thinking about going <laughs> to go out there on that tour, but... Yeah. Um, Makes and we sense. have been waitlisted like the two years prior. That's how popular it is. All right. Now they say they keep you away from all the dangerous spots, and it's not that bad. Well, they've you know, and you've got Geiger counters, and you know, it's yeah, it's very interesting to me that you know you can have tours out there at a site that we know is a super fun cleanup site. Um, you know, and so, you know, th- this area is, is supported. This part of the state is supported by this very same Superfund cleanup plan that, that, as I said a moment ago, some people say won't even work. We get like $690 million a year in money right to that part of the state, to the contractors and businesses that are working on, you know, cleaning that mess up. But it's a mess that a lot, a lot of people say can't be cleaned up fast enough isn't being cleaned up effectively enough, can't be effectively handled, just like we're seeing over in Japan with Fukushima where they can't even get near the reactor. They can't even, you know, robots are melting and dying before they even get near the mess right. that's happened over there. We're in, a, we're in a volcanic and, uh, excuse me, uh, well, seismic. we are in a volcanic and a seismic earthquake-prone uh, yeah. region of the, uh, right. you know, continent yeah, of the world. Right out there on the full uh, So, yeah. you know... There's always that risk, and even a even a modest earthquake can exacerbate matters at a location like right. that. And somebody had mentioned, some expert in the area had mentioned that he figures it's just luck. It's luck alone that they haven't experienced a catastrophic. <laughs> there we go. Because of earthquakes, unbelievable. And they're all crossing their fingers. And you know, you say, look at this problem, and say, yeah, this is massive, and it's not being taken care of, and perhaps it can't be. But that's assuming the status quo remains, because the budget they have to work with on an annual basis is $2.3 billion. Billion? Uh, you'd think that's perhaps enough, but it's not even close. Hmm. The cost of this cleanup is more than $100 billion estimated, and um, given the, the, the rate that these things need to be taken care of, it's just they have to approach it differently. They need more money and more resources and more determination because what they're doing now is assuming that it's impossible and it's just, they're failing. Yes, they are. 
And Trump cut the budget by $120 million last year. So he has added to the problem, uh, perhaps not a lot, but why? Mm-hmm. You know, they're already seeing failures in these systems. Why take out money from um, helping us avoid what has the potential to be one of the, the greatest natural or greatest disasters against nature that uh, we've seen in, you know, a century? That or, we've seen. Right? Yeah. It'll be right up there with Chernobyl. That we have seen, period. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap on Hanford, except to say I have a really fun little kind of Hanford Maury Island connection. Um, that if I can, why does it look different than it always has before? Where'd my post go? Yeah, how the bomb is connected to Twin Peaks. Where's my story? It was here. All right. Well, I won't. Do I have it? Do I have it? Do I have it? No. All right. I'll tell you the Cliff Notes version, and then I'll find it and include it in the show notes, and it'll be fine. There was a tie-in, and it was totally just a Twin Peaks fan forum discussion, but this person was speaking really confidently about cool Twin Peaks, uh, you know, code and disclosure in the show and this is the original Twin Peaks series here and uh, they were talking about how you know Hanford is referenced a couple times in the show and I've watched a a good bit of Twin Peaks over the years but this last time around when I tried to go back in and rewatch it and prep for watching the new series uh, you know these dang kids man they make it so hard to watch grown up shows that uh you know, you can't watch weird and scary stuff in front of them too much, and, and then they're just making noise the rest of the time until you got to put them to bed anyway, and then you're toast too. So uh, that's what happened this time around. Uh, any any rate, they thought that there was a theory that we know, we, we happen to know that a lot of waste was dumped into the Columbia River uh, when Hanford was first being built, and, and it's been buried in the ground out there. It's been, you know, put in all sorts of weird places before they started putting it in, in proper barrels, y'all. Okay, that's, you know, there's a bigger story here. People have been getting injured and sick out at Hanford for decades. We recounted a few accidents in the last couple of years. Um, they were saying on this little fan forum that there was a theory that uh, the Maury Island incident and the injuries the people sustained were from Hanford nuclear waste being dumped into the Puget Sound out of the back of some military aircraft. Um, So that I thought was pretty hilarious because I certainly didn't expect that connection when we just talked about Maury Island on the show a couple episodes ago. I will find the actual part of the thread what I hit was probably I expanded this crazy antiquated web forums like uh, response tree. And so, you know what I mean, George? So then all of a sudden I had like every little Reddit response line to track to try to get back to where the post I wanted was. Yeah, that's confounding. It was. It was. I was thwarted. (laughs) I was thwarted. Uh, but we weren't totally thwarted in having a great time hanging out tonight. And, uh, George, thank you for your, uh, time spent on CBD 
this week for us. That's really fun. Yeah, of and, course. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was interesting to, to get yeah. into that. No, and we're just getting started with it. So, uh, and I hope we're just getting started with uh, this kind of format. And, you know, we may do uh, episodes where I just, you know, sit and do my thing as well. Uh, but we're going to have George in as often as we can here uh, for the for the nonce. And, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening tonight and hanging out with us. Um, I don't, I try not to spend too much time doing it other than shilling like crazy on Instagram to everybody. But really, if you're listening, I, I, I'm so happy you made it to the end. I'm so happy you made it another episode. I really hope you're already subscribed, but if you're not, subscribe wherever you want. But where I could use it the most right now, where we could use it, is on iTunes. That would be the best. We just hit the iTunes store and the Google Play store. That's another wonderful and important area and platform that we want to be, you know, strong on. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. Please, please share it. Share us. Let us know out on Instagram where I think I'm most active, to be honest, you know, how you like the show, what you'd like to see us try to do. Uh, there's no telling where we'll go from here. We want to do video content. I, I, you know, I already mentioned that I'm going to rope George into taking photos and his content's going to be beautiful. So, uh, you know, you have to do that, right, George? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I do that. Okay. Regularly. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to let everybody get into their weekend now. And I don't even know. We might not even see this. This might not see the light of day till Sunday. But uh, we're recording on a Friday night. We had a great time tonight with you. And uh, we thank you for hanging out and learning about dabs and learning about CBDs and learning a little bit about the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. Please continue to do some more research on that especially if you live up here in the pacific northwest we're going to include as many links as we can to help you on your journey as well uh and we're all just learning together help us out let us know what we missed we can always spend more time on it next week all righty until next time smoke indica Do shit anyway.